Hello, and welcome to the Stories About My Ass podcast, field notes in film, glamping, and miniature donkey ownership. I'm your host, Brandon Dickerson, and you have found the podcast home for all things film, filmmaking, glamorous camping, boutique retreats, thoughtful living, food, and miniature farm animals. I am thrilled to have a conversation today with actor Aiden Canto. And uh, it was an attempt at theater in which, oddly, I played Hamlet. And oddly, because I was too young to, to memorize and, and actually find, I guess, the layers and the significance of that brilliant text, um, I just started improvising. <laughs> you know him as Sunspot in X-Men Days of Future Past, or maybe playing opposite Kiefer Sutherland as Aaron Stone in Designated Survivor. But I hope you get to know him as Nate in my new film, Amanda and Jack Go Glamping. Before we get to our conversation with Aiden Canto, I always like to start off with a story. So my family was living in two trailers at Green Acres Boutique Glamping Retreat, which was basically two yurts that we created for guests to rent on Airbnb. Now, it wasn't uncommon, especially driving in from Austin, we'd have a parent come with a son or daughter and enjoy some time away in nature. One March evening, a mother and her daughter arrived and it became quickly apparent that the daughter had no interest, not only in clamping, but being in nature. And in fact, it seemed like being outdoors at all was a complete terror for her. She spent the first hour and a half in the car and the mother could not even convince her with the gourmet s'mores that we offered to come out and get anywhere near the yurt. After explaining in detail every little thing that was going bump in the night, we moved them from the Shulman yurt to the Marrakesh yurt, and we moved them closer to us and the bathhouse, and got them settled in for the evening and thought mission accomplished and went to bed. That is until 1.30 in the morning where Kirsten jumps up and wakes me up as the phone had alerted us to a storm coming, which is something you had to do when you lived in trailers out on open land in Texas. Kirsten starts yelling to me, there's a storm, there's a storm. They're going to freak out. They are going to lose their mind. That girl is going to panic. And so once I finally wake up and say, what do you want me to do? Kirsten says, we have to get them in here because we looked and saw that lightning was gonna strike, a huge storm was coming, and any guest should not stay in a yurt during that time, but certainly this mother and daughter did not need to weather this storm. So I throw a bunch of clothes on and a rain jacket and venture out over towards their yurt as the rain starts coming down and I can see the lightning off in the distance and there's a rumbling coming towards us, not unlike the THX sound that you would hear at the beginning of a film. I begin to tap on the yurt and I say, I'm sorry, you need to get up, you need to come with me. And they begin to get up and wake up and I just hear the daughter say, no! And I try to articulate as best I can that there's a storm coming and you need to come now. And the daughter continues to say, I'm not going. And if you could have seen the scene, I'm looking out on lightning bolts that look like a lion and a tiger fighting, heading towards us as the storm starts to rage and the wind starts coming down. And I begin to pound again on the yurt saying, this is not an option. You're coming with me. And the daughter continues to say, I'm not going. And the mom says, you have to go. And she says, no. They unzip the door and stare at me in panic as I see a lightning strike hit across the dawn 
donkey field and their eyes go wide. And without even thinking, I put the girl over my shoulder and we begin to run towards the Spartan, which looks like a cross between Saving Private Ryan and Forrest Gump as I'm carrying this 11-year-old daughter and ushering her mother through the storm and into the safety of our Spartan. And we land and we arrive and we are drenched and soaking wet and Kirsten has a grin on her face as we settle everyone in and as the storm begins to shake our Spartan trailer, we all calm down and settle down and let them know that they can rest here for a moment while the storm passes. I take a deep breath and walk back into our bedroom and pull the shade and collapse. Thankful that they were there and they were safe and the storm would certainly pass. And it did. In about an hour, the storm passed and it was about 2.30 in the morning when I went out and let them know that all was fine and the coast was clear and that they could go back into their room. To which they replied, no, we're just gonna stay here. Before I could even begin a conversation, I looked back into those eyes and realized this was not negotiable. So we gave them an extra blanket and they went to bed and we went to bed and we knew that we could just let them go back in the morning. Cut to the morning, 6.30 on a school day, where my son comes into the Spartan from his Airstream as he normally would to get breakfast, and he jumps out of his skin as he sees a mother and daughter asleep on our couch, scaring everyone and waking everyone up. So blurry-eyed, we all kind of settle in and let them know that we're thankful that they're okay and they can certainly go back and continue their glamping experience while we get ready as a family. And the mother looked to her daughter and said, you stay here, I'll go get your clothes. And we just stared at each other. And the mother quickly left, leaving the daughter with our family's morning routine to bring back her clothes, which created a very awkward situation for my entire family to go back into the back and pull the shade while they got ready in our Spartan. Yes, just to be clear to recap the story, mother brings daughter who's terrified of the outdoors on a glamping adventure only to have a storm come in and the host family of the retreat to bring them in and protect them from the storm. And when the storm passes, they don't leave. And when morning comes, they also don't leave. They bring their clothes into our place and get dressed while we have to give them space so that they can get ready. Now, after the most awkward morning breakfast I've ever had in that Spartan, it is clear that it is time to go. And finally, we convince the mother and daughter that they would be best served to go back into their space because we are vacating our space and heading to school and work. As I was driving into work that morning with the family, I was going through my own frustrations and shock and a little bit of anger that I was put out for the evening. And then I was thinking about the mother and daughter's face, and it was far more than the storm at hand. It seemed like maybe they just needed some encouragement that somebody would give them shelter from a storm. And I was thankful that we as a family got to supply that for them. Speaking of storms or sunspots, that's what he plays in X-Men, Aiden Canto. That was the worst transition in podcast history, but... I am very happy to present to you my conversation with the amazing Aiden Canto. Aiden Canto, Brandon Dickerson here. Brandon, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm great. Welcome to the Stories About My Ass podcast. (laughs) It's my favorite title so far. I, I love your bravery. Just going with it. Oh, man. What's great is you are one of the few guys that has, um, I was going to say who's pet my ass, but 
<laughs> you've met my donkey and you've been out to Green Acres. I have. Lovely, lovely little donkey. Lovely, lovely little ass. And, uh, and not, not only that, but I, I saved your ass. Remember that? Oh, that's right. Big time. Yeah, there and, it, and, you know, it needed to be transported. And uh, I basically carried your ass and I, I, you know, put it in a trailer and made sure it was uh, on its way to safety. That's right. What's great is now people are seeing my ass on the big screen. I know. How does it feel? Tell uh, me. Oh, man. It's amazing. The premiere was, uh, you were so missed at the premiere. There was an Aiden Canto hole in all of our life. Big time. Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. Full house, sold out crowd at the Stateside Theater. And um, yeah, people loved it. It was, it was incredible. Tons of people there and the cast was there and uh, you were spoken of fondly. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. No, people love Nate man. (laughs) they love Nate. Uh, Nate is an interesting guy. I, it was a, uh, it was it was a discovery for me. I mean, you, you know how it is. You 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 read the script, you make your plans, you have a certain idea of what it's going to be, but you don't really get to know the guy until the words come out of your mouth and you 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 smell that you you know the the breeze of nature. You get to know everybody you're going to be collaborating with, and and uh, I mean after you know all the pleasantries, which are fat, you know awesome, I loved everybody. And you start getting to know their characters and, and discovering those relationships. And I mean, this guy, it was awesome, you know, because he was it, it was kind of easy to just jump in. because he, he was holding a front right for everybody. He was pretending to be someone he he was not. So um, mainly I, I just focused on the, on this guy's ideals. You know, it's not uncommon to see people living their lives in, I guess, in the realm of ideals. You know, they rarely get to land or solidify their their ideas so it's almost like uh what if this and i'll pretend like this is it but it's not the real thing you know the the real thing is when all of a sudden you get this bulk of responsibilities and you know i i guess that's a true confirmation of uh of embodying a character but anyway i'm getting a little too a little too deep here i love it man i love for those that are listening that haven't seen the film Nate is a landowner of Green Acres, where Amanda and Jack go on a glamping vacation to save their marriage. And not only do these honeymooning hipsters show up, but Nate, your character, chopping wood with his shirt off is the perfect way, I think, to introduce Nate in the film. (laughs) To Tears for Fears. What's better than chopping wood to Tears for Fears? That was quite something. Yeah, I mean, it it was a great atmosphere that you guys had, you know, since you got there. And and I can only imagine that it was... uh, not only interesting, but a like a life transformation for you guys to because you lived there, right? Yeah, you lived there for, totally for over over the year, right? You, how yes, many we lived there you for two years. I wrote the script in the second year, and then of course, as you know, you came in and we had to move out. You and David came and, and my family that night. That was the first night that they had to take off, and we glamped. <laughs> you, me, yeah. and David, and and you had a very different experience than David did as oh, far as glamping. I, it was so funny. I, I woke up in the middle of the night and uh, there was a lot of noises out there. And I was like, whatever, it's fine. You know, so I just, <laughs> I just opened the yurt and, and I discovered that the cats were extremely friendly. That's right. Cats that you have. So, That's I mean, right. it was like about three, 4 a.m. or something like that. that. I mean, you could hear the critters in the bushes, like bigger ones, right? It's not. It, it wasn't, you know, a little faint sound. Yeah, it was more than cats, for sure. Yeah. 
certainly more than cats. And then uh, these these guys just pop out of the blue, and, and I started playing with them in the middle of the night. And then I just had to, you know, obviously go back in and get some rest. But uh, in the morning, I remember sitting out there. Um, this is very Nate, by the way. But Nate would lie about it, but I'm actually being very honest about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I sat out there on the porch or, or the deck, right, the deck for the yurts that you built. And, um, and I was just, you know, taking it all in. I did a little meditation. And when I was done, I opened my eyes since I was sitting there so silent for a while. I didn't realize that all these deer were around me. I was like, I'm not kidding you. It was probably, and I think I told you about this. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. 15, 20 deer just all around me. and like so close to them. I just raised my arm just to see what they would do. Obviously, they just all fled, but it was, it was so cool to see that they were at peace, you know, around me right there. That's so cool. By the way, so those of you who don't know the film, this is something, I mean, Nate is full of stories, and this, this is like nothing compared to the kind of things this guy comes up with, right? But he would tell stories like these and say, yeah, the deer came up to me and they kissed my feet. And, <laughs> they licked which was my hand I, and... I saw the, I, you know, I read the screenplay and, and it was really cool to have all this liberty to improvise and come up with whatever just came to mind and explore, you know, just have fun. Yeah. And obviously Amy was so sweet and, and, and receptive to it as well. And she, she was on board improvising. So we, we had a blast. Yeah. I love this. I, I talked with David and Amy as well. And we talked about the three of us. It was just a treat for me that all of you were willing to just give everything to the role. And you're right about those moments. People asked in the Q and A's about, you know, were any moments improvised or what came and I hate to spoil it for anybody listening that hasn't seen the film, but I think it's worth it because it's so brilliant in that there's a scene where you're trying to, I mean, there's no secret. You can get this from the trailer that your character is keen on seducing Amy's character. And at one point you ask her about a specific type of massage from Burma and you're telling her all this stuff about that, what you did. And we were filming it and it was hilarious because we were filming it on the porch of the Airstream, which is where my son was living at the time, which he came on set and he was completely ruined seeing you give Amy a massage on the porch of his room. By the way, my shirt was off. Yeah, your and, shirt's off. Yeah. yeah. Near some aloe vera that, that you grabbed from the pot next to, you know, outside of the room. Exactly. So you have your natural aloe vera. And on, I think, the third take, this bird gives this just amazing bird call. Like, doo, 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 doo. and you just lean into Amy and you say, do you hear that? She says, yes. You say, mating season. <laughs> so good. I lost it. I mean, the funniest thing was we had to do some audio work to take out my guffaw from when oh, you did that. And the- <laughs> it's so good. So good. I feel like that embodies like the playfulness, but then the seriousness that you, you stayed in character. Amy stayed in character. Yeah, that's only- what I was going to say. Amy was solid there. You know, she completely went with it. And her response was so on the money. You know, if you consider the her character's arc, I guess, or, you know, yeah. It was brilliant. It was so great. Yeah. The other thing that I loved was you come from, tell me about your music. And then I also want to hear, how did you start? Like what gave you the bug? I like talking about on the first episode, I talked about when I was a kid and the first time I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. What was it for you? Was it acting first? Was it music? What was little Aiden into? It was certainly music, but you know, I think it seems like I was a little fixated on music. Not fixated. Maybe that's not the right word. 
I just thought that was my path. And, and you know what? The discovery, I guess, that I made throughout the years is that there might not just be one path. The truth of, of uh, I mean, and I'm sure you as a director would know, is expression takes on many different forms. And um, it, it depends on what, you know, how you want to portray this or, or uh, communicate it to an audience, right? So I was, um, I guess, enveloped in music for a long period of time because that's what people would um, comment on, right? That was the only thing I could I could show for. There weren't any significant theater programs or anything like that where I was growing up for me to realize that acting was a possibility or anything like that. And this was in Mexico, right? This was actually in Texas, uh, you know, I basically went to the Catholic school for 10 years. That's right. I forgot that you were on this side from when you were young, right? Yeah. Yeah. Since I was a kid. And, uh, it was an attempt at theater in which oddly I played Hamlet and wow. oddly because I was too young to, to memorize and, and actually find, I guess the layers and the significance of that brilliant text. Um, I just started improvising. <laughs> <laughs> improvising Shakespeare. Oh man. Yeah. That was a blast. Obviously that wasn't, um, uh, at, at all enough to, you know, allow me to see that that was a, a career path you could actually make. So nobody was doing acting. So that wasn't even on your radar as a kid. Not, no, yeah, not at all. You know, I, I, and even if it were, that there was no way to approach it. You know, I'm talking like, this is a very small town in Texas and then a small town in Mexico across the border, which is literally almost like one town that, that is divided by a bridge. So it was not a possibility back in the day. And it wasn't until later that I realized that you can actually choose to be an actor and, uh, and, and, you know, train for the craft and have fun with it. And it came a little later, but I guess uh, I discovered it nonetheless. That's great. And, and it was music that, tell me about that. You were writing songs, you were performing. Yeah, I mean, it started with me being a, a little singer in the town and festivals and things like that, obviously. You, you get deeper and deeper into it. You start writing your songs. You get, get a band, uh, discover different genres. It's like trial and error over and over again. I, I guess really that's what it was. I did pretty much every genre out there. And you brought some music into the character of Nate big time. Well, yeah, thanks to you. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's always great to, to work with a director that allows you to be free like that. And, and uh, just see what happens, you know, have the time to... Uh, to mess up, to uh, maybe maybe in, in in thinking you're messing up, you're actually doing something that that works just you know perfectly for the story or your character. Yeah, it paid off, man. I can't wait for the film to be out for people to see you in it. We'll continue my conversation with Aiden Canto in a moment, but first, it's time for the Mason Movie Minute or two. The time where my son, whose movie knowledge has far exceeded his father's, tells us a film that he thinks we all need to see. Welcome to the Mason Movie Minute, where I am here with Mason in his room, looking over a Rubik's Cube and a Canon AE-1. Yes. Welcome to your program. Thank you for having me on my program. What is our movie for this week? The movie we're going to be talking about this week is Memories of Murder by Bong Joon-ho, South Korean director who's kind of in the canon of, I guess, Korean New Wave. I think that's kind of 
been what they've been calling it recently. This is like an actual movement that's kind of still happening, which is really cool. What year did this come out? 2003. Okay. So this one's old, but Bong Joon-ho just made a new movie. It's on Netflix called Okja. Easy for you to say. Yeah. Well, this movie is really good. And I'm a big fan of Bong Joon-ho. He also did The Host. Ah, which I need to see. I've heard yes, that's fantastic. Very good. It's like one of the best monster movies I've ever seen. And he's got a really good, like, dark sense of humor in his movies frequently. And I think this is definitely the, like the most serious movie I think he has. Um, it's about like a rape case. And then, you know, this and it's based on a true story. And all these, you know, police are trying to figure out who the murderer is. And it's just really complicated and hard. And I've heard, I never watched Zodiac, but I know a lot of people compare this movie to uh, Fincher's Zodiac just in the way it handles the concept of truth and like, you know, how do you know who did the crime and like, how do you know it's true and does it even matter? And like, what's the difference between, you know, the criminal and like any other person on the street. And it's a very like gripping and kind of unsettling without spoiling anything. It's very unsettling. And you actually, I made you watch this movie with me. You did make me watch this movie and I was pleased. Yes. It is Fascinating. One thing that fascinated me about this film was the comedy element. So everything yeah. that you just described. Yeah, it has this very sick sense of humor. And I think it's interesting because it kind of lasts throughout, without spoiling anything, it kind of lasts throughout like the first half of the movie. And it's kind of comedic and almost slapstick at parts, but still pretty serious. And it's kind of in like a dark way. It's like, oh, like this is a really weird subject to have comedy about and it's conflicting, but it's like really unique and interesting to the movie. And then it kind of drops that comedy altogether. And it's just really disturbing and, you know, very serious about the subject it's taking, which I think is really interesting. And it probably doesn't sound like it works, but I think it works really well. And like the slow transition into like, this is serious, like this is scary, but yeah. Yeah. It's a well done film. I, yes, I liked it quite a bit. So I discovered that it is available now on Amazon. Unlike when we had to watch it, we, I think we searched high and low, ended up on YouTube, which I really try to avoid at all costs. It, it, you could almost say that this was the closest that I have ever been to piracy as we were desperate to find this. And so, as you know how we feel about piracy, the directors, filmmakers, craft service nobody gets paid so be sure and watch it on amazon for sure all right so the movie for this week again memories of murder memories of murder from 2003 yes directed by bong joon ho and again please don't pirate don't pirate drive safe and that's it for today yes mason proud of you thank you bye one of the things that I'd like to talk about on this podcast is I, uh, our corner of the podcast market is film and glamping and retreats and thoughtful living. And so I know that you, because we've had some time to hang out, are really inspired by things that inspire me. I joke that I'm into everything re, so you know whether it be reclaimed or restoring or renew or retreats, but you're a guy that kind of has that as part of your rhythm. Tell, tell me about those, you know, how does, how does unplugging, how does slowing down? You're a very busy guy. You're on a show. You just got married. 
your time is in demand, how do you slow down and what place does that hold in your life? I guess it takes a lot of work to realize that you have to slow down. That's one thing I've discovered recently. You don't know that you have to stop and unplug and slow down because you're going and there's things that are thrown at you and it's exciting. You know, you, you, you get, it's like a high when you have responsibilities piling up and especially when you, when you love it, right? You're, you're just on it and you start realizing, huh, okay, wait a minute here. I mean, this is a project and this project will come to an end and my life carries on and, and, and the people I love are, are, uh, huge, you know, priority for me. And, and when you have to remember that, you know, time management, I guess is, is, uh, yeah. is, is so, I've always been so horrible at it. It's ridiculous, but in realizing the need for unplugging, you know, and uh, unplugging is, you know, talking to the old pal from, you know, back in grade school or, uh, you know, talking to my, my dad or, or, uh, reaching out to, you know, my, my in-laws, which I love, you know, great people. Um, in discovering all of that, I, I feel like every day I make time for it now. Uh, in your daily so, rhythm? Yes. What's that look like? Well, uh, I mean, I realized that without it, my days aren't as great. So the way it is, is basically I wake up, I force myself to head over to a yoga mat, and I start stretching, basically. Like almost like, you know, even before thinking. Anything. Like right out of bed. No coffee, no water. No, you just head there. Sometimes water, a little yeah. bit of water, but the more the more time that passes without hitting that mat, the more um, likely it is that a thought will will come into your head, and then that thought becomes something else, and you re- you remember the other thing, and and then you grab your phone, and then all these emails pop up and the text messages, the news, what's going on, and all that, and before. You know, I overflowed my mind with, with things that I don't know if I want to be holding in my mind throughout the day. I reconnect with myself and, and try to have a clean slate and remember what the priorities are. I mean, I, it sounds like I've got my day under control 100%, but I don't. You know, that's, ex- that's exactly why, why I have that's to That's why do. you do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I try hard to take hold of it and control it. Yeah. I started something for our family along those lines of just nobody checks their phone in the morning. Uh, I've had to, not only for me, but but for my whole family, we just say, look, 8.30, that phone is there, The whatever the chaos of the day that's going to begin, whether it be the news or somebody trying to get a hold of you can wait. And then we're present for each other as a family. It's interesting. There's been some interesting science behind the lack of boredom and how bad that is for your creativity. Mm. That if you're never bored, you know, you're always like plugged in, plugged in, plugged in, that it actually hinders your ability to be creative. Because in those moments, oh, you know. a really interesting thing that, that you know, I recently heard it, uh, it was expressed in another way. How was it? It was something like procrastination is part of the creative process. It's like we're so used to thinking, yeah, don't slack, start working. The way you finish a script is, is by writing a ton of shitty words and right. then what is it the the, the the process of writing is rewriting mm-hmm. so you know all these things and 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 then and it's true i, I agree with you 100 like the, the uh, this that downtime the either you know you get to experience a bit of boredom or you know you you procrastinate you i'm just gonna make some popcorn or uh 
Yeah. Oh, I'm a master. Oh that. man, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's just not it's unbelievable, and it does frustrate me so much. And I'm like, okay, stop. You know, I just sit down and grab the guitar or, or open up a you know the final draft or whatever. You know, read up on whatever I have to do. Tell me your favorite spot. You can go anywhere to unplug. Where is that? Oof, it's uh, it's not a spot. It's actually when, wherever there's pure nature yeah I can, where, where i can experience pure nature uh no you know like city movements and and uh um you know kind of breaking away from social convention as well you know just looking at animals in, in, in the middle of nature I'm, again i sound like nate but i'm but i'm <laughs> not lying it's good it's good have you heard this term forest bathing no but oh i would think that you would be all over this forest bathing okay it's a thing it, it's um as i understand it's just the idea of going in the forest and bathing in just nature <laughs> just being there it sounds like a form of like contemplative prayer meets nature walk but that's um so that's what that, i mean I, I it really i feel it that way you know if you if your head's in the right place and you're able to let go everything that's happening in your life within your social circles, you know, professionally what's happening, uh, the phone call you just had, the phone call you have to make, uh, the way somebody said something to you that didn't sit right, all these things, man, you just like got to drop them. You know, it just, uh, I, I find them so stifling and, and you're right. You know, when you go and, and, and bathe, I guess, in, in nature, whatever it is, you know, if it's, uh, it's a, a desert, uh, a, a, you know, forest or in the woods. I love the woods so much. It's, um, yeah, it, it, it does something. Man, tell me how married life's going. It's going great. It's That's really awesome. Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Um, yeah, you are. You got a great gal. She's amazing. For those listening, we uh, got to be there. There's wedding and something that came up that I thought was so sweet was the fact that the minute you came to Green Acres and you were there and you're in all this beauty, you wanted her there. And that's how I knew uh, you guys have something really special you want to be together. So I'm so happy for you guys. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I must have done something right to have stumbled upon this woman. And, and also having you there, your family, and, and the, you know, the word you shared. It was, just, it was a great, you know, a life-changing experience, really. Tell me the last film that like rocked your world. Oh, man. I guess it, it's a really, I've, I've been watching a lot of Netflix shows and films yeah. and there's been films that have rocked my world in a good and bad way. You know what I mean? Like, sure. for example, I watched The Mother. Oh yeah. Tell me about that. I haven't seen it. It's a crazy film. I mean, for, for film buffs and people who, who just want to take it all in and, and, and learn from great minds, you know, great directors. And it's, it's, it's an interest. It's, I guess it's a must see film. The thing is, I don't know if, I mean, I honestly, there's no reason for me to see it again. I'm not going to bash his work, but what I'm trying to say is mother is if you want to go watch someone else's nightmare portrayed in a fascinating way, go and watch mother, you know, do it. You know what I really want to see is del Toro's new film, the shape of water. It looks incredible. Yeah, it looks just like a masterpiece. By the way, you realize that Amy is now in the X-Men universe, which connects to you because you have... Yeah, I played uh, Sunspot 
in X-Men Days of Future Past. Nice. Does that connect to The Gifted in any way? Is there any like comic book connection or is it just a big universe? I, I, think, I, I think it's pretty damn huge. I, 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 <laughs> the X-Men especially. Oh man, it's crazy. I, mean, I think it might connect. I mean, I remember uh, people sending me all these articles about Sunspot and Gifted, like they had made a mistake and they were saying that I was in the show because I had played Sunspot in the movie, but clearly I, I, I'm not in the show. What would be awesome is if somehow you actually are an X-Men working for Kiefer Sutherland and like it, you know, the show's merged. <laughs> that <would be> <laughs> like it all came together in some big conspiracy. And I love how, I mean, you are so different. Nate and your character on Designated Survivor could not be more different. I like that. I kind of look for those sort of opportunities. If you could nail something like that and play something entirely different, that's awesome. You know, you don't want to get used to the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and that's true. And Nate would not fit in the Designated Survivor universe at all. Oh, God, no. Of course not. Yeah. I don't know what the heck he would do in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. He'd be out in the back in nature, maybe climbing a tree, put up a hammock. I think he'd put up a, a kamek somewhere. Yeah, only if he knows that people are watching. Otherwise, he wouldn't. Right. Him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Nate has a, a narcissism to him that, yeah, people need to be watching. He gets an audience. Well, I'm so excited that Nate's about to be released into the world. I always ask what your favorite non-donkey small farm animal is. Do you have a pick? Oof. Well, I guess I'm a dog guy. I, I yeah. love Tell me about your dog. Well, it, dogs and horses, but uh, horses for sure. I mean, horses are noble, amazing beasts. But yeah, my dog is like a character of her own. She's she's in, she's just ridiculous. She's a crazy, smart dog that we were blessed to find in Toronto. And uh, we adopted her when she was eight weeks. So we were lucky enough, you know, to really focus all of our attention and in, in what it is that she needed. We did so much research and we eventually hired a trainer so that we wouldn't miss a beep. You know, we because we travel so much, we wanted to the guarantee that she wasn't going to be a problem, you know, in terms of being socialized or uh, hopping on a plane, you know, going on a 16 hour road trip. So she's she's a pro, man. She, she's a pro. She loves traveling. She loves people. She loves dogs. It's 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 kind of a dream come true with that little girl. That's awesome. Your dog's a lot bigger than our Mushu. Did you mean our, our Yorkie? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, Aiden, man, I appreciate you taking the time. Can't wait for people to see you in this film. And thanks for being a part of it and being who you are, my friend. <laughs> thanks, man. That was awesome. It was so great. Always a pleasure catching up with you. We better do it in person sometime soon. Yeah, no doubt. Let's go glamping somewhere. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Take care, Aiden. Take care, Brandon. Thanks, man. I think you're really going to enjoy Aiden's performance as Nate in Amanda and Jack Go Glamping, which, as I've said, is available now in theaters and on demand. So go check it out. Towards the end of a podcast, I always get a little hungry and I like to check in on my 13-year-old chef daughter for something tasty. And this weekend, I was at Laity Lodge Retreat where I get to serve and May Lee has an apprenticeship in their incredible kitchen. Okay, I'm walking into the Lady Lodge kitchen where Maylee has an apprenticeship. There they are. 
How's it going? What are you making? Earl Grey macaroons with lemon buttercream. So you have a huge bag of egg whites that you're almost about to drop. Yeah. And what are you pouring it into? Um, a mixture of flour, powdered sugar, and Earl Grey tea. Oh my goodness, it looks amazing. What's the next step? Um, we're gonna fold it in. I think we need to talk over here to the executive chef of Lady Lodge, Brian Hernandez, how are you? I'm awesome. So tell me where we are and what we're doing and maybe a little bit about it, I call them macaroons, but what's what's the problem with that? The macaroon is an entirely different cookie. Those are, to most Americans, the shredded coconut meringue cookie, and it is a much simpler uh, cookie to make, and I feel an injustice to Mei Li and the excellence that she provides with the macarons, which are the meringues that are lovingly piped and baked tenderly filled with a great filling. I think they're going to go buttercream today. They did ganache last week, and uh, both were tremendous. The other batch of macarons are over there. They are done. Okay, so how many do you think you have on here? Um, I have about 200. What do you cook them at for how long? For about 10 minutes. 100 for 10 minutes? 300. 300, 10 minutes. Yeah. Great, should we talk to Wiley? Yeah. Okay, let's go talk to Wiley. Why don't you interview Wiley? This is Wiley, Shell House. It's true, that is my name. That's great. Tell, tell me now, I'm, I know I'm her father, but like, give me some insight into what it is, sort of having Mei Li as an apprentice. Um, it's listening to a lot of really good puns, most of them about Romaine, like... Romaine calm, guys. It's okay. Oh, nice. Or, uh, as a word of encouragement, I believe in you. So the salad. Nice. We must remain calm. We must remain calm, good. So it's listening to a lot of puns, making some macarons, um, generally having a good time. What are you doing right now? I'm folding it in. But um, whichever one looks the best, I'll serve here. Okay, great. Okay, the guests have been served the macarons and I'm gonna ask them. Is anyone ready for one of these? Okay, you guys are ready. So first taste, here we go. Oh, delicious. Awesome. On top of that, it's really good. Gourmet chef. Thank you. Brothers tasting it. That's really good. <laughs> That's real good. Oh my gosh. This is better than the ones I had at LA Farmers Market last week. All right. Great. Lip smacking good. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's soft and crunchy at the same time. Okay. What do you think? Mm. It is really nice. Mm. Now, what if I told you that my 13-year-old daughter made that? I can't believe it. She's great. She's a chef. Yeah. yeah. What would you say? I would say that I would like to be on her Christmas list because I would love to eat more of these. There she is. Would the chef like to say anything? Thank you. I'll be here all night. <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh. You want to be a baker? These are the real deal. They're so light. And then, there's, there's, is there lemon in there? Mmm. I love it. Huge respect. All right. They're very hard to make. I'm a big fan. Proud of you, Mei As promised, I give you a tidbit of wisdom from my vast knowledge of just the few years that I owned Donkey and Yodi and Laverne and Shirley, the alpacas, 
Today, I answer your question about riding on donkeys. And even though they're sometimes called Jerusalem donkeys, and certainly you would think you could ride on them, I would say 60 pounds is max. So the photos that you see from Green Acres with some dude with a beer trying to ride a donkey, it's humiliating for the person and for the donkey. So children do go on donkeys, adults do not need to be on donkeys, and everyone needs to wear a helmet. That's it. Until next week, our podcast is produced by Chris Mann, Jeff Carpenter, and myself. Leave us some comments and reviews. I think it helps other people find the podcast. And be sure and tune in next week when you'll hear... The movie for today is most definitely Eraserhead. Eraserhead.